You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. On Tuesday, Patrice Bergeron, after almost 20 full calendar years since his his NHL debut in October of 03, he has officially announced his retirement and there are a million things we have to discuss but Bridget and Scott your initial reactions when you when you heard the news were you surprised I mean last last podcast we we were discussing the Bruins next season going under the assumption that Bergeron were to return of course still listen but throw that out the window so there's definitely a lot to talk about regarding next season and thereafter replacing Bergeron but first and foremost there's there's the celebration of one of the greatest Bruins to ever lace him up and just that officially coming to an end. Yeah. And it's one of those things that it's not surprising because we knew he was, you know, legitimately debating on the fence, hadn't made decision, you know, there hadn't really been any strong indications one way or another. So you you knew it was a possibility. And yet like when it happens, there is still that element of surprise of just, like, wow, it, like it's actually over. Like you said, 20 years, 19 seasons. Um, you know, a, a guy who obviously is still a really good player, just won his sixth Selkie trophy, um, you know, was the first line center on the greatest regular season team in NHL history. So you know there's still game left. You know he can still do it. But obviously, you know, as he said in his very long statement, which, you know, we won't read the whole thing here, but encourage people to read it either. You know, Bruins posted it. We have it. I have it in the article on WI.com. Um, you know, he just felt like it was time. He said he knew it was time. Uh, he did just have his fourth child. It's, you know, he's been doing it a long time. And, you know, I, I do think like he took his time and made sure it was right. I'm sure now, now that he's a, he has officially retired, it makes me think that he was probably leaning that way right at the end of the season, if not even before then, at some point, leaning towards last year being his last season. But I'm sure he wanted to make sure that it it really was right. Give it the time to settle in and all that. And And obviously he has. You know, we're now almost three months out from when their season ended. Um, and it, it clearly has sunk in for him and, uh, you know, and he now makes it, makes it official, but yeah, it's just, it is just crazy to think about. Like there's just, you know, just going like on my own timeline. It's like, I've been covering him in one capacity or another for over a decade. And yet there was like almost a full decade of his career, even before that, going back to, my freshman year of high school in 0304. Like that's just crazy to think about. It's like, that's, you know, over half my life, well over half my life that Bergeron has been on the Bruins. 
So, yeah, you know, just really crazy to reflect on. Yeah, no, it is. And this morning, like seeing the news initially, I was kind of surprised. I, I know we knew and it, Scott and I from, you know, breakup day on, we're both kind of like 50 50 on whether or not we thought he was going to come back. And Brian, you last week made me really optimistic because uh, and the main reason was just that it would have made like his career ending being the centennial season made a lot of sense to me. Um, like wanting to be the captain for the centennial season. Um, but if you read his statement, he said he's listening to his body, um, that it's time. And so that tells you that health wise, he may be, and he said he wanted to go out on his own terms. So maybe he was worried about this upcoming season, suffering some setbacks, um, health wise, wasn't sure if he was going to be able to make it. Um, and go out on a high note. Um, you know, you could argue, I mean, with the way the Bruins season ended this year, uh, postseason ended, it wasn't really a high note. Regular season was a high note, postseason not so much. But um, I, did, I did think he would come back. I was leaning towards thinking he would come back for the reason of wanting to captain the Centennial team. But then, um, you know, family and health seem to be pretty much the two biggest factors in him deciding to uh, hang him up. And he, I mean, obviously really well written statement from him. He's a very thoughtful person when you go through, he actually did talk about the media. He said, I thought that my coverage has been really fair from the time I got into Boston, um, which is true. I think people, well, besides a few names that I won't name have been pretty fair to Bergeron and understood uh, like his character accurately portrayed it um so he's been he's been a, such a huge figure in Boston sports and I went back this morning and I I woke up instead of like watching tv I opened up YouTube and was watching Bergeron uh like highlights uh obviously the overtime game winner against Toronto was on all of the highlight compilations of Bergeron's best career moments uh his two goals in the Stanley Cup final against Vancouver, including the, the very first goal in that game, which kind of put the Bruins uh, in the driver's seat. Uh, and some of his fights too, actually, <laughs> like when people, before people realized he was a Southpaw and just, just, you know, I uh, forget who that first fight was against, but he just, Georges. yeah, Georges. And he just like uh, totally surprised him with a couple of lefts. And uh, that was, I think that was probably the only fight he won. <laughs> he lost the, badly to Malkin and Wheeler and other fights, but I spent the morning just going through uh, some of those clips from, you know, some of them, like the quality is funny to even look at because I remember watching them live, but then like looking at it now, it's like the quality looks so bad that it looks like it's from so long ago. And then I'm like, oh shit, it is from so long ago. Yeah, I know it's, 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 it really is amazing what he's done in Boston uh, for for the game of hockey and and I definitely want to give each of us an opportunity to kind of just talk about you know his, his body of work but I guess it does make the most sense to just start off with what you guys did which is just the initial reaction to it and and yeah I mean I I definitely Scott to your point you say it's surprising and yet it's not surprising like cognitively I know he's been playing since I was having two snacks and two recesses back in 2003. It's been a long time. I get it. 
But at the same, at the same How'd time, you sneak a second recess. I don't know. How'd you manage that? Well, we would have we would have recess after snack and then recess after lunch. Oh, okay. But anyway, um, so yeah, it's it it's been a long time, a long time. But at this, but at the same token, yes, he did just win a selkie, and he is still of a first line caliber player. So yes, he's very much doing what most professional athletes probably don't do. And, and, and he's, he's, he's quitting while he, or not quitting. That's the wrong term. He's retiring while he, he still has some left in the tank. I was surprised because I did believe that Bridget, you mentioned it. Yes. Like I felt as though that, it would have been a nice ribbon on his career to just kind of have his 20th season coincide with the team's 100th season. And regardless of what happens next year, whether they make the playoffs, win the cup, miss the playoffs, whatever, like he was just going to do that one last year. He was going to take part in all the different heritage nights and, and all the ceremonial puck drops with different Bruins throughout the, the franchise's history and whatnot. And yes, by the Bruins management another year, to try to find a first line center after him. Uh, but to your point, Bridget, that didn't happen. And, and yes, reading his, his memo. Yeah. He, his body, his body doesn't feel up to it anymore. And, and, and as rational as it seems to be like, just play the 20th year in their hundredth year and go out, like, that's all well and good. But when your body's telling you something, you can't argue that. And, and I remember last year, I'm sorry, at the end of this year, we were kind of talking about speculating if he would come back. And one of the things I did say about him not coming back would be it just kind of felt like after playing the entire season, just about this year, the regular season, his body held up the entire time. The team goes on the run that they did. And then right before the playoffs, he ends up getting hurt. I just kind of felt like that just must have seemed discouraging for him to want to come back again. Like, what if he comes back again and you're just, something happens and it just all amounts to maybe it not being worth it and the body just you have to listen to it. So there were a lot of reasons why I was optimistic he would come back for one final year. But when your body tells you that it's time to 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 hang him up and along with certain family aspects, then there's no arguing that. And it's unfortunate for the Bruins because one more year would have probably done the franchise uh, a little bit of extra time to find a replacement. But now – now uh, judgment day is here for for Bruins management. Uh, Krejci's probably done, and and Bergeron's done. So um, we'll see what they roll out next year. But I was definitely a little surprised just because of the reasons I mentioned. But I mean, yeah, yeah. I yeah. also was surprised that Krejci wasn't the first one to sit. like Krejci. We still haven't gotten the Krejci decision, um, which he was the one that we kind of we're thinking we might know earlier because he said he would have his decision in a few weeks. And then um, we're still, we're still waiting. I mean, Krejci could still be back. We don't know. Well, Krejci's always been the more indecisive of the two, um, which, you know, he, he knows and, and said he wasn't going to be that this time, but still was. But based on like the most recent comments we heard from Krejci, it sounds like his decision is retire or go play in Czechia again. Um, the comments he made to a no, Czech he, news, newspaper. Um, you um, know. That's not what I got from when we talked to him on breakup day. No, well, I'm talking since then. I'm talking like oh. just a few weeks ago when he talked to the Czech newspaper and said, um, 
you know, if he was going to come back, it was going to be with the goal of playing in the world championships in Prague next spring, which means not playing in the NHL because the NHL playoffs overlap with that. So, um, but yeah. when he talked to us, he said he would either play for the Bruins or retire. And right. so he's, yeah, and then to my point of indecisiveness, he has since changed his mind, and now it sounds like it's retire or play back home again. So, um, retire, retire or retire is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, so e- either way, it seems very unlikely that he's back with the Bruins. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, it leaves you with Pavel Zaka and Charlie Coyle as of now as your top two centers. And, you know, we can get into, we will get into, you know, are there other options? Can they still do something? What does the team look like if that is what they have at center? Um, you know, I do think it's important to know, like, for Bergeron, yeah, as much as I'm sure he cares about what comes next and helping the organization and all that, it also can't be the deciding fact, you know? You know what I mean? Like, he can't make his decision about whether to come back or not. He can't base that on where the organization is or the team is or whether they have a center lined up. Like he has to do what's best for himself. And if he, you know, has taken all this time, talked things through, thought about it, weighed all his options and decided, no, it, it's time for me. And, you know, I'm sure he looks at it and goes, boy, you know, the team really could use another center. Like they could really use me next season. I'm sure he knows that, but ultimately if you know, it's time for you, if you know, that what's best for you is to retire and not put your body through another season, not put your family through it with a newborn. Like if you know that, then you retire, you take care of yourself. And that's someone else's job to figure out what the center situation is going to be. You know, that's not, yeah. Bergeron cares about that and has done his part to help the team out and, numerous ways over the years, including taking a very team friendly deal last year, but you know, it's not his job to, to find his own replacement. So um, yeah, like I'm sure it, I'm sure it was in his mind. I'm sure he thought about it, but what goes into his decision are things that are bigger and more important than, than that. I'd be interested, Scott, cause tomorrow. So Wednesday, I think it's at 1130 Bergeron has, media availability and uh scotty's gonna head down there and talk to him i assume um yeah, but i will be there but uh i would go but i i might have time to still go but i have red Sox tomorrow but um yeah so my like i'd be interested to know and i'm sure someone is gonna ask him uh but i mean maybe we'll even do a reaction podcast on some of the stuff he says because i'm sure there's gonna be a lot there um about how much that his back has he his back injury that he suffered uh, at the end of the regular season and, and struggled with through the playoffs and missed time with in the playoffs. How he feels about like is that healed? Um, like how much did that factor in? How like is the recovery been an issue for that? And um, how much that uh, factored into his decision to listen to his body, so to speak, and decide to not play this year. Yeah, and on the health front, it it hasn't been confirmed anywhere, and I haven't confirmed it, but it is worth noting that Rich Keefe reported, uh, you know, this was probably a week or two ago, that Bergeron had had hip surgery. Um, no idea the severity of it. You know, there's all different levels of hip surgery. 
Um, but as much as people like to maybe mock Keith with like the Pasenak thing, Keith was also the first one this morning to tweet out that he was retiring. He tweeted that about an hour and a half before the announcement came out. So, and Keith was right about the Pasenak thing, by the way. He was yeah told, on, on the that numbers. Is what for he sure. was told, like I still believe that Keith had that story right, and then and that the Bruins or not the Bruins, but somewhere in the negotiations, things changed between the time Keith had it and they, you know, uh, changed their minds about it. But I still think Keith knew what like was in the loop on that too. Yeah. It's, it's clear that he has a pretty good source, even if it's been slightly off or not quite at the timing right on things, but yeah, obviously he knows someone and he's getting pretty solid information. So I'm assuming what he tweeted about the hip came from that person or, you know, through that person somehow. So, um, you know, I wonder if like that, that's part of it or if we don't, we just don't know. We don't know if that was serious or not. Don Sweeney was asked um, on free agency day, if he had like any update on Bergeron's health and he, you know, kind of sidestepped it, but said like, as far as we know, everything's good there. So uh, he at least wasn't like letting on if there was any sort of major health concern. So I feel like, and I'm, I feel like we might want to allot some time towards the end, maybe to kind of go over Bergeron's body of work. I think it might just make more sense to kind of go where do they go from here? Just it just feels more more natural. So, I mean, Christ, yeah. I mean, Scott, you said it. I mean, Zaka coil up the middle as it is right now, and your third center is Morgan Morgan Geeky or uh, Frederick. Yeah, Frederick. one at center, one on the wing. Um, you know, you're you're your top your your top line as it would be right now would be something along the lines of coil uh debrusque and marchand or zaka debrusque and marchand and or you have van reemsdyke and pasternak i mean i mean there's there are we talked about it last week you you don't have bergeron you you now have two significant holes in your top six and uh the forward the forward cores yeah you have an elite 60 goal score you have a top five left wing in the league in Brad Marchand still, I would, I would argue. But, you know, that uh, there it, it's, it's tough. It's tough to, to put a, a contender together when you're missing some key pieces like that. So if you're the Jacobs, are you, are you okay with this going into your centennial season? I mean, there is no buzz right now for this Bruins team going into the centennial season other than certain aspects of a centennial season. I mean, Sure, Lucic will come back and get a good pop from the crowd his first couple of shifts, but you know the dust is going to settle pretty quickly, and it's it's tough to sell a team with, you know, a borderline top two center and Zaka as your number one center, and it's just tough. So, is are there deals to be made out there? Or are they just? And we've, we've we've asked this question before, but now that we know Bergeron's officially done, where do they go from here between now and and, and training camp? And what what do you think? What do you guys think? Can I start? Um, so I actually also this morning went back and watched the, fir- the first 20 goals of Bergeron's 2023 season. So this previous season, and I'm just worried about how it's going to affect Jake DeBrusque because a lot of the goals, Bergeron's goals were set up by obviously Marshawn and DeBrusque and they worked really well together. Um, and I just feel like when you put say Coyle or Zaka as the center with DeBrusque. Um, I just don't know how that looks 
right? Because we haven't seen it. Um, and uh, they had that Bergeron, DeBrusque, Marsh online at different points in the season looked really good together. So that's just one thing that popped into my head when I was going back over some of those goals. And also how freaking good that team was this year in the regular season and how fun they were to watch because like rewatching the goals, I was like, and then I'm watching some of them and there's Taylor Hall and it's like, okay, no more Taylor Hall. Krejci's there, Bergeron, like you're, it's going to be completely different than uh, the lineup from last season. Maybe the best lineup the team will ever have um, to not bad. Um, so yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be such a different look. It's going to affect the wingers a lot. So, I mean, we saw career high seasons for DeBrusque um, and for other players because they were, you know, playing alongside such good centers. Uh, those numbers are not going to be there this year. Yeah. It's like you could, you know, load up a top line of Marshan Zaka and Pasternak. And I think that would be a really good line and, you know, potentially one of the five to 10 best in the NHL. Like if Martian and Pasternak alone lift any line up a lot, but then that leaves you with the second line of Van Riemsdyk coiled to brust. And like, if we're just being real about it, like that's a third line. And I think if that's your second line, like any, we've talked about, you know, can Van Riemsdyk bounce back and maybe get into the mid twenties and goals and, you know, look a little more like a second liner than, you know, than he did last year, or, you know, ideally he's probably a third line at this point, but can you get guys around him to, to kind of elevate? Well, I don't think that happens if it's Coyle and DeBrusque on his line. So then, you know, you look at, okay, do you start splitting guys up? It, like, do you go Vin Reams, Dyke, Zaka, Pasternak? Martian, Coyle, DeBrusque played together in the playoffs and looked pretty good, you know, while Bergeron was out. So I don't, you know... I don't know, but either way, it's like you're clearly you're a top two center short. You're a top six wing short. Uh, you know, your third line looks more like a three and a half line now. Like it's not, you know, say it's, I don't know, Lauko, Geeky, Frederick or whatever, something like that. It's like, well, that's probably that's better than like a fourth line. But I'm not sure that's a really strong third line. Like you hope it becomes that. But yeah, you just you have a lot of questions up front. Your your defense and goaltending still looks really solid among the best in the NHL, and that'll get you somewhere. That'll help you win a lot of games, probably closer, lower scoring games. But it's like, man, there's you're you're asking Pasternak to do again what he did last season because he's going to need to carry at least that heavy of a load. You're asking Marshan to look like prime Brad Marshan again. We know. He wasn't quite that last year. And we know, you know, the double hip surgery lingered. He didn't have a real off season, um, you know, regular off season training. So you hope that he's completely healthy and comes in and has that el truly elite level of, you know, someone who's in the hundred point neighborhood still there because that's what you're going to need. Like to be a good offensive team, those two are going to have to have, outstanding seasons like MVP candidate type seasons. And that's a, that's a lot to put on two guys, you know, especially when one of them Marshand is 35 years old. Like that's you're, you're asking a lot. So and you now need Zaka to take another step, right? He had a breakout season. 
you need him to be even better. So, um, yeah, it's it's a lot. It's a lot of hoping. And you're and you're asking those guys to do it on lines that they don't have, like they haven't already established chemistry with. Like Marshawn has been playing with Bergeron for so long. Like you're asking him to now do it without Bergeron, and so you're asking for his best season at the age of you know 35 and and with a different center. And hopefully, I mean. I do think a lot hinges on Zaka um, and his ability to become Bergeron kind of um, to morph into a Bergeron style player, which he can be. Um, He plays a 200 foot game. He looked good filling in for Bergeron at center in the playoffs, but I feel like so much hinges on his ability to make that transition smoothly because uh, he's a natural center and was drafted as a center but he's not been used as a center really for the Bruins too much besides if you have recency bias, you know, towards the end of the season he was, but most of the season he was on the wing and most of his career in New Jersey, he was on the wing. So uh, it's hoping that he can transition smoothly to that. And I also, I feel like I personally would keep him with Pasternak. Um, rather than put him with Marshawn. But um, just because that is, uh, those two at least have played together um, and have more chemistry because even though Zaka wasn't always playing center with Pasternak last year, they were together um, and kind of already have that built in knowing where each other is on the ice. So uh, that would leave you with Marshawn center being coil more than likely. Yeah, unless unless they did what Scott suggested and maybe put Zaka with Marshan and Pasternak, but you know, yeah. you're, you're you're quote unquote loading up a line, even though you're loading up a line with to your point, Bridget, a center who hasn't really proven himself as a, as a true center in the league. I mean, but yeah, it's it's I mean, clearly the other thing too is all of these things would have to go right, like you said, MVP caliber seasons from from Marshan and Pasternak. Does lightning strike twice for Pasternak? I mean, yeah, he has the skill set to do it, but when you're literally the only scoring threat now, one of the only legit scoring threats on a team, I mean, teams were focusing on him last year, but they had they had incredible depth last year. This year coming up, it, it would be they would be on him like what on rice. And then yeah, Bridget, to your point, it's a great point. Marshand is going to be without Bergeron, who's been his running mate since he broke into the league. So to expect him to have an MVP caliber season at his age without you know, his, his bread and butter. That's, that's a tall task. And, and furthermore, you know, last year they, they had incredible depth, you know, right now they have, they have okay bottom six depth right now, I suppose. But last year they had, they had high end depth where, Oh, David, uh, David Krejci goes down for 10 games. Your number two center. That's that. That's not ideal. Oh well, here comes Pavel Zaka. You don't skip a beat, right? Or, um, yeah, Taylor Hall goes down. Or okay, let's bring in Tyler Bertuzzi. Like it's just they don't have that luxury this year, so they also have to be incredibly healthy. One thing that comes to my mind is, and this kind of stems into the question: like, do they try to acquire a number one center somehow the rest of the summer? I don't know if I mean, look, there, there's potential trades to probably still be made. I don't know if the Bruins really have the the assets, but. <laughs> 